Goldthorpe is number one. A kickstart for Australia. Gold in a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on the third. A perfect score, 10.0 for Nancy Cavanici, a perfect score. The first time I've never seen anyone get a So in over 100 years, nobody's won as many medals at the Olympic Games in any sport than this great champion, Michael Phelps. Usain Bolt, sprinting ahead, winning by daylight and setting a world record. 9.68, the wind is okay. How easy was that? It is Off The Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you today for another athlete interview. And today's a a bit of a unique one when I say an athlete interview, because we're speaking to an athlete from a non-Olympic sport, which is cricket. And the athlete we're speaking today is Lisa Stalica. Now, Lisa, many people would know in Australia as one of the legends of the sport of of cricket, a a member of the Cricket Hall of Fame, former captain for Australia, just an utter, utter legend when you speak about cricket in this country but during the Tokyo Olympics she got to experience a broadcasting role as part of the Channel 7 coverage where she joined Andrew Gaze and Andrew Marr as part of the nightly rap program Shinya which as you would have heard throughout our our coverage when uh, we were talking about a daily coverage at first we were a bit unsure about like okay not too sure what this show is but then when we got watching it we fell in love with it Jared and I would talk about this probably every single day about sort of our highlights from Shinya the night before so much fun to watch and Lisa was such a great part of the coverage and Lisa goes into detail about what it was like working on an Olympics coverage working with Andrew Gaze Andy Ma great stories about uh, connecting with a certain Bruce McAvaney you know that uh, is going to be raised in this conversation and although obviously this conversation isn't really about cricket there are a few cricket questions and particularly when it comes to the possibility of cricket becoming an Olympic sport, maybe as early as 2028. It is very much on the cusp of being included at the Los Angeles 2028 Olympics. So uh, Lisa gives her take on uh, how she thinks it could work and kind of whether or not it should be an Olympic sport or not. So a great take on that you will hear in this interview. So without further ado, here is our chat with, on the Olympic side of things, Olympic broadcaster, but on the sporting side of things, one of the greatest Australian cricket players of all time, not talking about cricket, Lisa Stalica. Such a unique interview for you today because our next guest on the show could be interviewed about her esteemed career, about so many different things, one of the legends of the sport of cricket in Australia. But we're not here to talk to her about cricket. We might ask her one or two questions about cricket. We're here to talk to her about the Olympics because during the Tokyo coverage on Channel 7, she was one of the stars, I feel, of uh, their coverage, particularly when it came to a little program called Shinya, which was a lot of fun being able to watch every single night a nice take of the day's events that happened every day during Tokyo and I'm here to learn more about her experiences during the Olympics her broadcasting career and just everything else that we can find time to talk about today it's a pleasure to welcome to the show Lisa Stalica first of all Lisa welcome to off the podium it's a pleasure to speak with you today Uh, thanks very much for having me it's uh, probably not something you often get asked to do an interview not about cricket Uh, I don't know how many of these have you done in your life Uh, This will be quite refreshing. <laughs> kind of a little bit uh, off the cusp when it comes to the questions. But was was this something sort of once you hang, hang up the bat, hang up the gloves, hang up the ball that you wanted to get into sort of broadcasting? Was this something that had always been a, a goal of yours or was it kind of something that was, I guess, I don't know, offered to you sort of throughout your career as this could be a path you could take after your career? Yeah, I actually got um, an opportunity in 2010. It was actually up here in in Brisbane where I am at the moment and it was the ACA All-Stars taking on the Australian team and if you can cast your mind back all the way back to 2010 that was the game where Tim Payne actually broke his finger and Ah, then he disappeared off the face of the earth. The day in Tasmanian history Lisa we remember (laughs) it well. So um, I actually got an opportunity and Elise Perry to commentate five overs each, each of us had. Um, So I sat in between uh, Mark Nicholas and Tony Gregg. And the five overs went like that. And I got out of the box and went, 
So how, what do I need to do to do this after I play cricket? Like this seems like a pretty cool job. Um, so from 2010, I had my eyes uh, set up on, you know, from that point of view, but there were no female broadcasters within the game. There were no um, females calling the game. It wasn't uh, anything that we were used to seeing compared to what it is now. I remember any time games were held at the SCG, I'd because I had um, a pass that could get me in everywhere, I used to just hang around the Channel 9 commentary box like a bad smell and, you know, just listen to what they were doing, how it all worked, you know, just kept reminding them, yeah, here if you need, guys, you know. <laughs> um, and then when I retired in 2013, I had an opportunity to, I think, the next Australian summer to do some work with Channel 9 on the Australian women's side. So that was that was great. And I, I, I mean, back then, female cricketers, uh, we had full-time jobs. So I was working at Cricket New South Wales as I was playing at the same time. And when I finished playing and then had to do that job 12 months of the year instead of nine months of the year, I was like, okay, I need more of a challenge. So I left... Uh, a year after I retired and um, at, from Cricket New South Wales, had no work lined up, wanted to do broadcasting, didn't know how to get in, <laughs> um, just thought if I am free, maybe maybe there's a chance. And slowly but surely I started to get more opportunities. I got, ABC Grandstand gave me my first chance really to do regular cricket um, and then it kind of took off from there. That's insane. I just, I can't imagine what that's like sitting in between Mark Nicholas and Tony Gregg as your first kind of uh, role. I mean, for, for our listeners who maybe are outside of Australia or don't too familiar with sort of broadcasting in this country, I mean, if you want to join any sort of commentary team at some point, you want to join the Channel 9 cricket commentary team, right? That's that's a pretty good way to start. Yeah, I mean, they were household names in, yeah. in broadcasting around the world. I mean, it was Channel 9 that really reformed what broadcasters were and what, you know, the impact they can have on the coverage and the game itself, the popularity of the game. So they became rock stars in themselves, really. I mean, the 12th man probably helped um, when he came out with his um, (laughs) albums and taking the mickey out of them all. But, um, yeah, just and, and probably the most satisfying thing was when I did do it. I don't know how I, um, I'd hate to probably hear myself again, but whatever I said seemed to resonate with the guys because later on when I left, they said, oh, like Lisa said, you know, so they gave me a bit like, okay, maybe I do, I could provide something, you know, I seem to be adding to the commentary, so which is good. Um, So, yeah, so that, I mean, I look back at that and, and I actually got to commentate with Mark Nicholas again in the recent IPL in India. And I brought up that story and he remembered it. And we've done a few things over the years as well. So, um, you know, it's kind of nice to, to have started my journey in, in the best commentary box at the time um, and learn from some of the best. So, yeah. The one thing that I think would be interesting on a little bit of a tangent, but this kind of connects in with if we've got any listeners who listen to our sister show, we've got a lot of experience in one of our other shows of covering the TV show Survivor. And I believe mm-hmm. Mark Nicholas hosted one of the seasons of the UK Survivor. Did he? So, I mean, yeah, I, I think he might have done the second one. I, I can't remember. But, I mean, that would be an interesting thing to say that, hey, I did this random podcast interview and the host remembers you as the host of Survivor. Is this oh, yeah. something I'm that ever gets brought up? That up. Don't worry. <laughs> We're bringing that up. I'm going to say how many buttons were undone and how much, you yeah. know, um, you know, work in the gym did you have to do and bronzing to kind of fit in. Yeah, work on the biceps and kind of, you know, or if he's going the probes, work with the dimples and all that kind of stuff to really uh, to, to fit in. Which, I mean, I can imagine then when you're sort of you, you're undertaking this broadcasting sort of career, you, you're obviously brought in for the cricket expertise and everything you bring there. But I can never imagine that when Channel 7 ultimately get the rights to the cricket, kind of go over there, then all of a sudden you might get a tap on the shoulder to join in on some Olympic coverage. I mean, kind of, you know, you've got the one side of the dream there for broadcasting with the Channel 9 commentary box, but then you think of the Olympics, Channel 7, the Bruces, the Basils, like all of a sudden you're thrown into the deep end. I mean, how did the opportunity come to sort of get involved with the Tokyo coverage? Yeah, so it was after um, after the, the uh, 2020 season and... Um, they said to me, you know, we'd love to have you part of Tokyo Olympics. 
um, what you'll do is you'll be almost um, at the news desk and it'll be during the daytime. Joanna Griggs will kind of throw to you and go, hey, Lise, uh, what's happening around the grounds, basically? Um, and I give, you know, throughout the coverage, you know, three, four times updates of where we are in medals or other countries or big things. And they said, oh, you used to a teleprompter. And I go, nah. <laughs> like I'm just used to off the cuff, throw me in front of a camera, ask me a question and off I go type thing. So um, before lockdown hit, you know, I went into Channel 7 in Melbourne, sat at the news desk there, kind of had my first opportunity. They're like, okay, now let's go back and have a look. And it's like, literally I'm going, like my head's moving as I'm reading and like now you've got a, there's an art to it and how they actually show the teleprompter, the, the font and the, the spacing and all of that's really important. So I downloaded teleprompter app on my phone, um, you know, in the, in the hope, you know, during that, the initial parts of the lockdown that I would, you know, be able to cover the Olympics. Obviously the Olympics <laughs> uh, got postponed and I was still hopeful that I'd, I'd get an opportunity. And I got a call when I was in India because I was I literally was overseas from January of this year. And uh, the boss, um, Lewis Martin, head of sport, rang me up and just said, so you, um, your role within the Olympics is going to be different. And I was like, gulp, okay. As in, you know, where are you putting me? <laughs> <laughs> behind some some screen where you just hear my voice or whatever it may be. And they said, well, actually, we, um, we've got an idea. We've got to change it up because everything's pandemic and, you know, people will be watching maybe a lot more. We need to change the flow. So we're going to do a late night show and it's, it's going to be you and Andy Ma. And I'm like, oh, I love Andy because obviously the first time I did cricket coverage, uh, in Australia regularly was with Channel 10 with the Big Bash mm -hmm. um, and Andy was our lead commentator. So I've known Andy ever since I kind of started in 2015 properly. So I was like, yeah, great. I, I take the mickey out of him regularly. He has a go at me. He takes forever in asking a question like we're going to have fun, you know. Um, and then it got to the point where we come up getting closer and closer to the Olympics. Then all of a sudden cases started to happen in Sydney and I had only just got back from India after that whole rigmarole and um, I literally still had living out of suitcases and staying at my family's place so I said to the bosses I'm packed I'm ready to go to Melbourne get me on a plane like get me out of here before we all shut down they're like oh we've still got six weeks it'll be fine it'll be fine then each LGA got shut down and then by the time we got to you know two weeks out they said Lisa actually we can't get you down to Melbourne um but we think we've found an alternative we think we're going to get Andrew Gaze in that'll be good and I was like well that makes sense I mean he has played in the Olympics flag bearer I mean he's got some some cred street cred so Just to speak yeah. 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 And um, we're going to have you in the studio. It's, it's, it's going to be like the project, but sports version. I said, okay, well, I don't mind that show. So sh sure. <laughs> um, I went in and had a look two days before we, or a week before we were on air and we did a lot of um, trial runs and it was great. Yeah. And the funny thing is I've never met Andrew Gaze. Wow. Um, um, and first time I'm working with him, but because all three of us are pretty laid back, and chilled out, uh, it worked, I think. We were quite happy to talk. I'm sure people, when they first tuned in, is going, is there any structure to this show or is it, you know, people just randomly talking about utter nonsense? There was a bit of an element of that. There was a structure. There was a producer telling us, right, move on, move on, move on. But um, we got on really well and, we, you know, I'm heading down to Melbourne, so I hope when Melbourne opens up, it'll be a, chance, it'll be a good chance for us to get together. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the thing that was was great about it was that, you know, it, you, I like it when you have that sort of light dose at the end of a day, particularly yeah. when it's like in a the time zone. So for Australians, you know, we're obviously what an hour ahead on the eastern states, so it's kind of you know it kind of fits in well. And we all remember Sydney, Roy and HG, kind of what that brought to the Olympics and kind of that experience. So it's kind of just like a nice unwind. And I think what really worked with it is that all three of you worked fantastically together. And also it was a case of you mixed sort of the funny parts with the serious parts. I mean, 
we all remember what you know how Andrew was after the bronze medal for the Boomers and kind of all oh. the other moments too. So it kind of it, it ticked all the boxes really. Yeah, I think I think there was an element of they weren't quite sure how it was going to look and. You know, even for me, I, I'm big on research and everything. So I was like, well, what do I research? Like I am your average Australian who absolutely loves the Olympics every four years. I'll watch it all. But then to be honest, it disappears because my main sport is cricket and I'll just watch cricket. So I don't know the journey of these athletes. I don't know diamond leagues that are happening, you know, in Europe and things like that. So I wasn't quite sure how to prepare. So I did a lot of preparation. Um, but nothing gets you quite prepared for really, this is what's just happened only an hour ago. So we need to show this and we need you to actually be able to, um, you know, comment on it. And, you know, I, I felt a little bit weird because I'm used to being the expert in cricket. Well, I was no expert in any of these sports, but I guess I was there just to give an opinion of what probably the general public was thinking or feeling or what they saw. So, um, yeah, it was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, it was kind of cool to to say that you were part of a, um, an Olympic coverage because I never thought as a cricketer mm. I'd, I'd ever be you know get the opportunity to to be involved in in the the major sporting event of the globe. You know, yeah. so which is it's fascinating. We we spoke to Joanna Griggs a couple of months ago and kind of talked to her about sort of you know, those experiences of broadcasting. She obviously was a swimmer and kind of, you know, was expecting that that was going to be a career. And if you told her that you would go to multiple Olympics, you would think as an athlete. But I can imagine it's addicting though. Like you talked about that initial broadcast moment and all of a sudden you're thrust into this Olympic spotlight and all of a sudden you're doing your research. And I can imagine you're also like watching events differently. You're paying attention. You're trying to find stories. I mean, was that kind of how your days were spent? Just glued to the TV like it would be, but with a notepad and just constantly writing down things. (laughs) Correct. You're absolutely right. Um, Literally, I, I, I had my iPad going for for the digital side of things. So if I wanted to go to a, a different channel and then I had the main channel on and um, it was literally trying to watch the big events, how they happened or, you know, even as an athlete, you can see a former athlete, you can see if people are tense or how they react or things like, and you can comment on those things. So, yeah, I was doing that. And then I'd get into um, in Sydney, the um, gravity media, I'd go there and then we had a green room where we had two TVs. So you had, you know, main channel seven and then seven mate, which was great. So I was, you know, and, and to be honest, in the evening, we had some of the best team events going on as well, plus um, individual uh, events. So it was, um, it was good. And then it was literally guys, do we have a rundown just so I know roughly where we're going? So if I need to look up something, that'd be great. I think down in Melbourne, they had a stats person who, if they needed to kind of ask what happened here or how long has it been since we won gold in this event, they could just be able to do it. But I was kind of uh, all by my lonesome, um, but uh, it was fun. It was great. What's it like? I, I know there was at least one. I can't remember if it was multiple times when you're crossing sort of you, you've come on air and then you're still sort of connected to some of the other commentators and you get an opportunity to talk to Bruce McAvaney. I mean, I don't know oh. if you've sort of uh, met him before or through any of the other oh. Channel 7 things, but, I mean, that during an Olympics, this is him. It's like if he's talking to you in the middle of a cricket match. Like, you know, that's kind of when you want to speak to someone in their zone. Yeah, he. Um, I, I, I did get interviewed the first year Channel 7 had um, the cricket. They used him. I think they interviewed certain people he interviewed certain former cricketers during the lunch break so i was one of those um and like he is just god from from broadcasts um and what he remembers so when we had the upfronts where obviously from a sponsor the sponsors or the corporate commercials come together and they introduce who the commentary team is so this is before lockdown so he kind of got up there and he's going through you know, he did Ledecky and Titmus, you know, and said it is going to be, and this is like a year and a bit out of it. This is going to be where all eyes will turn to, you know, and back in you know, four years ago, this happened and he's just rattling it off. And I'm like, you're a freak. Like yeah. there is no way I am ever going to remember anything like that. Um, and just his delivery, his tone, so personable that you feel like you're going on a journey with him. Um so yeah, so when we went a couple of times when we um we kind of came on air and and the, the you know, athletics was going and we got to kind of chat to them, 
I was like, oh, I think I need to ask him a question, but what question do I? I don't want to sound like an absolute idiot, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he's a legend. Uh, Joanna Griggs, she, she's amazing. Like she came out to my house. So when I thought I was originally going to work with her, she came to my house and helped me with um, teleprompt and helped me with, with the app and took me through a bit of training and, you know, rang me up before the Olympics saying, you know, was so disappointed you're not down here in Melbourne, but good luck, can't wait to see stuff. So, I mean, it was a real, um, it was a real family effort. And, you know, it was, we were so happy to see everyone do so well, not only the athletes, but the amount of work, the broadcast, the planning, like it is a mammoth task. And it's something, you know, as a former athlete, you have no idea what goes on behind the scenes. Um, but they did, a, a, I thought they did an incredible job in the coverage of the Olympics. Just one quick thing on Bruce. Can can you put in a good word to get him to commentate cricket? Because that when when Channel Seven got the cricket, I'm like, wow, Bruce is going to commentate cricket. This is going to be amazing. But like, I think he would be great at calling cricket. When is this going to happen? Oh, look, everyone said it. All the cricketers, even um, uh, I think Mitch Stark and Josh Hazelwood. It was quite funny. Everyone wanted to get selfies with Bruce when Channel Seven got the <laughs> cricket. Like it was literally like your y- moment in the sun. Oh, I've I can put this on social media. I've got, you know, yeah. with Bruce and it, all the players said, no, please come and do commentary. And he said, guys, it's a sport that I know. Okay. But it's not something that I feel like I could really be an expert in or be the lead caller. Like you have to do, you have to follow the game for such a long period of time. And, Cricket probably isn't his his passion. I mean, we know his racing. He loves his racing. Um, and then you've got the AFL and then obviously the athletics. So well, where's the time? And also he's coming up to a point where, you know, he's probably going, I just want to ease back my commitments. I'm getting yeah. to the twilight years of my career. I just want to enjoy it. Hence why we don't see him on the AFL. But selfishly, we all, trust me, all the players wanted him to commentate cricket, not just the general one public. One game, Bruce. Just yeah. one. Like, we want to hear it. Like, you know, you. you I tried to get him on the women's game. I was like, hey. oh, don't worry about the men's. Don't worry. Just come yeah. to the women's cricket. Come to the real cricket, you know. <laughs> Screw the men. Who cares about them? Like, get on, get on board that. Which, you know, what you're saying about the effort involved. I mean, Joe, Joe talked a lot about kind of that and, you know, we're guilty of it here on the show. I'm not going to sit here and pretend we don't do it, but like it's a, it's a national sport almost bashing the Olympic coverage, isn't it? No matter who's got the, uh, the broadcast. I mean, do you then kind of over the years when maybe you're watching the Olympics and like, Oh, stop showing the swimming. Like we're sick of this. We're sick of that, that you leave now going, okay, well I can understand why this is a, a, a done a bit better. And it's kind of, it's that perspective now that, people sometimes maybe need to have when it comes to broadcasting in Olympics that it's not as easy as people probably think it is. I guess I'm fortunate now to actually ask the bosses questions of, so why are we sticking this on seven mate? Why is this not going to the main channel? And there are actual reasons to it. Mm. Um, but for the general public, as I was for a long period of time as well. It, it just was a no-brainer. Um, but there are algorithms, there's metrics, there's, you know, trying to capture a certain audience at a certain time, you know, all of that type of stuff. So um, there are people well above my above my pay grade that come up with the, with the schedule and how it works. So, um, yeah, you understand a little bit more the reasons behind some of the decisions. But um, you don't always have to agree with them, and that's okay as well. Yeah, I know you tweeted out just after the Olympics your your favourite moments, which uh, I'll, I'll ask you now, kind of go over those. But were there other ones as well that you maybe couldn't confine to a, a tweet, sort of standouts that you, you know, personally maybe that you got a different perspective because you were sort of being able to see it from a different way of broadcasting? Yeah, I think for me I felt – even for our short show and when, when we spoke about it in production meeting, we were like, great, our show can be about um, highlighting other athletes from other countries like Eric the Eel. Like there's going to be someone from some random country that does an amazing thing and we should be, we should be covering that as well, not just um, Australia. But the problem was, which isn't a bad problem, Australia was blitzing it in the mm-hmm. Olympics. Yeah. So all of our coverage tended to to do the highlights. I mean, whilst everyone was still in lockdown, it was very hard to keep a track of everything and watch every event an Australian was 
meddling in. So people probably came to Shinya to go, what's my quick highlights package? This is it. Great. Done. But it did mean that we didn't necessarily get to cover other athletes and other stories. We tried to. Which I we we recently um you know like we, we we talked to a lot of people on the show as well kind of get them for all different sports and we recently had um Simon Leung on and we talked about how kind of you know you had them on him and Gronya kind of with the whole bit where she changes the racket halfway through the point yeah. and kind of highlights that and like even he was sort of talking about like I get the message like hey you're going to be interviewed on Channel Seven tonight it's like, oh bullshit no I'm not and then it's kind of it's but it's those moments though where it kind of can highlight certain different sports though where generally in Australia, we're not going to be transfixed to the badminton, but one little moment can all of a sudden thrust that into the spotlight and give that a bit of extra coverage. Yeah. And I've always been a big fan of Olympics highlighting the athletes or the sports that don't have the platform regularly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I think the Olympics is for, to be honest. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Yeah, Gazy, you know, we, I think in, in one of our practice runs of Shinya, Gazy was different because I said, I don't know if tennis should be in. I don't know if golf should be in, I, you know, um, because are those athletes going, well, this year it's all about the Olympics. No, it's the majors. There's, you know, there's the masters, there's the grand slams. Like there's, there's other things at play. It's not just the Olympics. Whereas for a track and field athlete, oh, it's all about the Olympics. Yes, there's other leagues and tournaments and, and, and meets, should I say, leading up to it, but the Olympics is the pinnacle. So, yeah. you know, that's that's where I sit on that. But um, now I've forgotten what, what you were asking. Eh, I think it's, it's fine. This is, we have no run sheet. We have no thing. It, it happens. But on that topic, actually, I mean, maybe this is the one cricket question I will ask you. Obviously, cricket <laughs> seems to be on the cusp of maybe being included as early as LA 2028. I'm sure Australia, Brisbane will probably give it a bit of a push. Do you, do you see that could be a bit of an issue with cricket being at an Olympics, that maybe it's not going to be treated as seriously, this isn't a World Cup, this isn't test or something like that? Or do you think that cricket is a sport which maybe would work very well in an Olympics and people would treat it as the pinnacle now? Of cricket yeah so so the women's t20 competition will be in the commonwealth games next year in yep. birmingham now i think that's a good thing commonwealth games seems to be a natural fit given that it's normally commonwealth countries that are playing it but we're seeing around the world that cricket is is growing in south america and you know some random places you never thought people were playing cricket um, I, I still feel like the women's game being on that platform will elevate it even more. Um, so I can understand that from an, from an Olympics point of view, I know the, I, I mean, I sit on some ICC on the ICC women's committee. So, um, I've seen the discussions the boards have had around it and, and it is about growing the game. Um, and if you take Andrew Gaze's opinion, um, the best athlete should be allowed to participate in the Olympics. Um, The only issue is that cricket, you know, trying to have you've obviously they're they're going down the gender path. Um, So it had a sport that's available to both, but then what each team brings 15 players each plus management. I think they've, they've started to cut off the amount of athletes that, um, that are taking part in the Olympics as well, because you can't just keep going and going. Also, can you fit the cricket T20 games, all of them in that two-week period? I mean, we see football has started earlier than the opening ceremony. So there's there's a lot of things. And, and in order for, and then there was discussions about T10 because it's quicker, shorter, faster, but then you actually have to have a world championship or a world cup in that format. Cricket doesn't need another format. No. We've got three and the calendar's jam-packed and we're struggling to get those three in. So yeah. you can see there's a lot at play. But I can see how it can elevate the women's game. It's it's fascinating, like particularly with the Commonwealth Games because I remember when cricket was in Kuala Lumpur at the 98 Commonwealth Games and it, it does seem like a natural fit that any major international sporting tournament, the Commonwealth Games should have the cricket. They've got netball, you know, rugby sevens is sort of more suited maybe that. But they, I saw the Commonwealth Games Federation at the time recording this this week put a sort of a flashback to 98 when Australia got silver. So mm. it, it'll be interesting to see just what that does next year in, in Birmingham because, yeah, particularly as you're saying, like the women's side of things to kind of grow up because, I mean, gosh, 
we saw it what last year with the the world 2020 in australia right like with how how that went off so it's growing and it's kind of you know you take these steps where you can to continue growing it yeah yeah absolutely so let's see hopefully hopefully cricket finds at least a place within the commonwealth games and i'll let um people the boards and icc they can deal with the olympics and that side (laughs) which i have to ask i'm sure you've been asked this plenty of times and i know you guys sort of joked a lot about it during shinya about beijing now as we like to call it right here on off the podium the real olympics uh the winter olympics of course but uh is this i mean can you give us an exclusive has it been talked about is if not is it something you would like to be involved because the winter olympics are just even more unique in the fact that these are sports that australians never see so i can imagine you can get even more unique coverage of it from your perspective yeah, it has been discussed. I, I actually think we probably left our best um, episode as the last one. Um, obviously, Gazy in tears, Andy and myself, you know, in tears as well about the bronze medal. And there was so much passion and emotion in that in that final episode that we probably left the public wanting a bit more, which is a great thing. And so hopefully. Hopefully, um, people within the Channel 7 offices, they, they have mentioned it could be an opportunity to to have it in the Winter Olympics. I hope they do. I, yeah. I'm, I'll give you the tip. I'll learn a lot about the Winter Olympic Games if if I have to. <laughs> I mean, we've got the women's ashes going on at the same time. So my my um, my boss in cricket's like, well, hang on, hang on. We need her for the women's ashes. <laughs> no, Jonesy, I've been able to do Shinya from anywhere correct have i not shown you it works so i can be anywhere he's like exactly exactly yeah and i mean again crickets during the day olympics at night like you know just a bit of catch up in between and we and we come we come on with um shinya anyway like 10 30 11 30 at night yeah crickets well done and dusted by then yeah, and what doesn't start to like eleven in the morning anyway? So you still get a bit of a chance for a bit of a sleep in. So yeah. you know, it kind of it kind of it works that way. Which, I like I mean, thinking. Can you be my manager and speak to the boss? Sure, absolutely. I have a lot of influence in in the world, so um, you know, I'll I'll kind of push through with that one as well. Which I mean, you, you talk about sort of being hooked to the the screen, sort of growing up always with the Olympics. Was were, were the winters sort of one that you kind of also paid attention? to? Was it more of a sort of a casual like, oh, Australia's going to do well, let's let's watch a, a medal win or something along those? Uh, no, I think. You know, if I was to think back when I, I shared um, houses with other other cricketers, other athletes, others that really found sport fascinating, um, we literally had it on the whole time. So, um, yeah, I've always gotten engrossed. And I think it, from a cultural point of view, you know, Australians will get up at, at ridiculous times to watch Football. I remember when the men's um, World Cup football was taking place. I don't know even know where it was to be honest. But I was working at Cricket New South Wales, and some games would start at like four a.m. and we'd mm. go into the the office together, and there'd be a group of us. And I think when they were progressing and going well, and they got to the next stage, we like had champagne breakfast on the barbecues, you know, like things like that. So I've always been around people that are just as passionate about. Australia and sports. So I've been, you know, getting up watching Tour de France when, you know, um, we've had an opportunity or Grand Slam. So, yeah. It's, there's something about that, isn't it? That it's, it's kind of unique and particularly for like an event, like an Olympics or a world cup where the whole country does get behind you. I mean, it's not to take away from, you know, every year when you're on tour, you know, playing, you know, major tournaments and all that sort of stuff, but there's just something extra about it. And I mean, yeah, the Winter Olympics are just incredible, amazing athletes. We've had several on, on the show and it's kind of, it's always interesting learning their journey. And again, it's just, it's just so foreign because like we're not seeing curling, we're not seeing ice hockey, you know, we're not seeing moguls all the time, but we've got some great athletes in some of these sports, which, you know, this is their time to shine. And then all of a sudden, you know, build on the momentum of Tokyo and kind of take it now to, to Beijing. Oh yeah. I mean, I think, I think Channel 7 were very happy with the fact that firstly, this one was successful and the, the next Olympic Games are the winters in six months after a big summer of cricket, which includes the Ashes. So they're yeah. like, you booty. Yeah, which I love that. I mean, I mean, great sort of plug there, like the way you work that in. But yeah. also it kind of, it, it, I mean, the, the advertising campaign that they were sort of doing with that smoke on the water and kind of this is what we've got pumped up because, yeah. gosh, I mean, I can't imagine the sports department at Channel 7 are getting much of a break anytime soon, are they? No, um, they're literally going from different sports to the next one. And, I mean, it's great in a sense. So our producer I had worked with on the Big Bash. 
So, you know, there were familiar voices in my ear, even though I couldn't see people. Um, and that, that actually is a big thing. And, you know, we have an, like our producers are some of the best in the business and they're laid back, they're fun, they're relaxed, they giggle as well. They, they pull you up actually when you need to focus on the thing or they'll like throw you one line of banters in your ear and you're, they're trying not to giggle. Um, you know, it's just, it's just a fun environment to, to be part of. And when I left cricket, you know, I, I didn't think I'd miss the team aspect as much as I did, but as soon as I came into broadcasting and working for similar organisations as in, you know, Channel 7 or Sunset and Vine for ICC events, that they became my teammates, my family again on the road. Which I'm, I can imagine too, the unique aspect of sort of your role is that I guess you're brought on because you're a former cricketer, you know, legend of the sport, you're bringing that expertise and so therefore anything that comes along with it is kind of, you know, a bonus. But it's, I can imagine then say like hypothetically Channel 9 gets a cricket again in five years that they want you to sort of switch focus over there that, I mean, maybe you're at a position where you're kind of thinking, well, hang on a minute, I've made some headway in Channel 7. I, I like the Olympics more. I'm more of an Olympics commentator all of a sudden than I am a cricket. So no Channel 9, I'm going to stay on board with this. Like I can imagine that's a unique aspect of your sort of your role at the station. Yeah, and I mean, uh, last year I was able to cover um, the men's ashes with Channel 9. Mm. Um, so do, doing late nights with Todd Woodbridge as our host, which was great because I, like, picked his brain. Like, I was massive fan of his yeah. watching because tennis was my first love, actually. I wanted to win Wimbledon when I was really young. Wow. But we were, talking, we were talking shop about turf. And, you know, Wimbledon, like what Nuffy talks about turf pitches and then turf courts and, you know, <laughs> how it deteriorates over the Wimbledon and all of that type of stuff. It was great. It was fascinating. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I've got to be realistic in the, in the TV world, um, broadcasting world. I, I don't know how long my lifespan is. Um not necessarily looking over my shoulder, but just focusing on doing as good a, a job as I, I possibly can. The great thing is um, cricket is played in so many different countries and apart from Christmas Day, I think there's normally a cricket match taking place. Um, so if things don't necessarily continue on, uh, which we kind of saw a little bit when Channel 9 lost the rights, we didn't see that team again, really. I mean, mm. Heal, Ian Healy's kind of lost. Um, obviously, Michael Slade has been with, with Channel 7. Shane Warne's gone to Fox, you know. So sometimes a, a channel um, wants fresh start. A new director comes in, a, a new executive goes, this is our new road. So I, I, I never know, you know, how long I've got in this career. So... Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully Channel 7 gets an opportunity, the next media rights deal to, to secure it again, because I reckon they've built some nice momentum around it. And they've learned a lot about how to cover cricket because they came in with a very AFL mindset because that's their bread and butter. But the games are completely different. Which I have to say, I've been living out of the country for several years. I've only returned this year and I came back for Christmas a year or two ago and probably the weirdest thing for me that summer was going, holy shit, cricket's on channel seven and tennis is on channel nine. This is weird. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know what I'm witnessing. It was like back in London when uh, channel nine had the Olympics and, and Vancouver. And then I think what channel 10 had the Sochi Olympics. So it's kind of, it's odd. Like it's great to see sort of, you know, new networks having a go, but it's, it's just, you get so used to it. It's a generational thing, isn't it? It really is. And, um, I think Fox and Channel 9 uh, and Channel 7, should I say, after that, that first year, it was more like re-educating everyone where to go. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and, and even when you, with so many radio um, radio coverages of, of the cricket, I think there's like five, five mm. different ones. It's like well, everyone's used to just putting on ABC Grandstand. <laughs> Yep. Everyone just normally goes there, but, you know, I'm doing stuff with SEN and they've got a great commentary crew as well. So trying to navigate that, this world of um, multiple options, geez, 
sometimes you don't want an option. You just want to know where to go and that's it. <laughs> exactly, kind of do that. Which, I mean, on that, like sort of with your, now you've whet the appetite for this broadcast career, I mean, do you look at things like, hey, I might start a podcast or I might start sort of like a, an online channel or something along those lines where you can kind of, I guess, develop that passion that you've, you've got and find sort of your audience that you've already got on sort of social media? To be honest, I know how much work goes into a podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, you can join this one. It's not that hard. <laughs> no, but, you know, the research. The professional ones, Lisa, the professional yeah, yeah. ones. <laughs> yeah, all of that type of stuff. And um, I guess my passion is still about growing the game. Um, so I sit on a couple of different boards within players' associations, um, making sure that, you know, female players get more opportunities, more remuneration. Um, so so I'm involved in that aspect. And because I, I used to work at Cricket New South Wales, still heavily involved in, in coaching, but doing it through now a new platform, which is Slow Coach, um, which is digital coaching, which is great for me because I travel around the world. So it doesn't matter where I am in what hotel, um, I can actually give a player a, a review, a feedback, technical advice, all that type right. of thing. So, you know, those those things I'm passionate about. I wouldn't say I'm passionate about podcasts or online stuff. You know, I do a lot of stuff like digital stuff on Instagram about reviews and previews of matches coming up um, simply because my fan base, to be honest, comes a lot from India and they they love cricket and they love hearing different viewpoints as well, which I'm hope, hopefully providing. So, yeah, that's where I, I spend my time on. Now, Lisa, we always close out our guests for the most part with a series of kind of fun sort of get to know. They're very Olympic-centric, but that's the fun yeah. of this one, kind of this unique interview. Just quickly before I do, I'll, I'll lie. I'll say I'll ask one quick, quick cricket question, which is kind of a two-parter. As a Tasmanian, is Tim <clears> Payne <throat> going to be ready? And also, Hurricanes, how are they looking in both the men's and the women's this season? Uh, Tim Payne, uh I think he's cutting it fine, but he's the type of guy and the medical staff will do everything they can. So I guess this this type of injury came at the wrong time for them, mm, but mm-hmm. I think they've addressed it as quickly as they can as well. Uh, as for the Hobart Hurricanes, um, I don't I haven't seen the list of from a men's perspective, but I've seen the women's list because obviously the WBBL starts I think 14th of October or something yeah, along it's close, very yeah. close. So um, they're pretty much sewn up uh, and they've got some big players that have moved, people that you thought would never um, move from their club. So they've recruited well because they had to. Um, so they may, they, may be, they, be, they may be one to look out for, but I don't know how loved they are within the competition as well. Yeah, well, the thing is I'll say, and this is maybe more so from the men's perspective, at least when it comes to all these commentators saying, oh, the droughts in the BBL, look at the Melbourne Stars, they get so close and they're like, hello, Hobart, we exist. We've sadly lost a couple of finals, but we're close. We're nearly there. Like we'll bring a trophy home one day on the men and the women. Come on. (laughs) I I mean, to be honest, you've produced some pretty good um, cricketers down there. I mean, nothing quite competes, even though – Blunston is is a small ground, but mm. come BBL time, it is packed to the oh, rafters. Yeah. Like yeah. you guys love your cricket, you love your friend, your your club, um, and that's great to see. And guess what? First twenty games of WBBL all happening in Tassie. Yeah, so so look at that. Look at look at the the love for the sport down here. It gets rewarded, and we. I mean, look, a lot of it comes down to obviously we're a bit starved for kind of national representation in the leagues, but that's sort of the the main one. And obviously, you know, on sort of the domestic side of things in both the the Shield and the One Days. But we're obviously about to see the Jack Jumpers enter the NBL, and uh, as as people keep pushing for an AFL team, so it's it's happening, Lisa. You know, like kind of uh, people are waking up and smelling the roses. Exactly. It's taken a while, but uh, you know it. It'll happen. Now, this questionnaire, it it was given to Canadian athletes ahead of Rio and Pyeongchang, sort of a a get-to-know-you style question. And now, obviously, we always like to try and do a questionnaire based on the sport that we're kind of talking about. Kind of difficult with cricket, given it's not an Olympic sport. But I've chosen an athlete to answer these questions from field hockey because I kind of thought, well, it's a bat and it's a stick. They're both kind of... You hit a ball. Um, I try and connect it in some way. So uh, there you go. So, all right, 
I'm going to start off by asking you, Lisa, what is your favorite ever Olympic moment? Uh, Kieran Perkins in Atlanta, lane eight. Yes, yes. I love it when people answer that one because uh, that is just an iconic moment. I saw a, a poll uh, like during Tokyo where they were like, what is the greatest ever swimming moment in Australia? You know, they put like Ariane Titmus up and kind of all this sort of stuff. And Kieran Perkins was on that and he was voted way too low. I'm like, are, yeah. are you Well, it was serious? probably because everyone of our ilk um, mm. aren't actually using Twitter and, and um, um, playing part of that game. That's the true. issue. Yeah, very true, but such an iconic moment. Um, if you could choose any Olympic host city, where would it be? Olympic host city, mm. Tuscany. Oh, that's a nice one. Mm. I like that. Wow. I don't think anyone would complain about going to the Tuscany Olympics. Beautiful. Wow. I like that. Um, in your spare time, what do you most like to do? Cook. Cook. All right. What's the speciality? What's kind of, you know, you uh, go to? Look, when I was playing as an athlete, Mexican, because it was bloody quick and it tasted <laughs> pretty good um and then as we've been in lockdown i've had more time to kind of cook and experiment a little bit more with indian cuisine because it takes a little bit longer a little bit extra time yeah is it, i mean a possibility if the channel 7 execs are listening that you could you know switch over to like some sort of my kitchen rules like get a bit of a cooking gig or something uh, no, like no, that no 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 i don't know about that but i reckon like a, a bit of a documentary of yeah. travel around india and try different hey. And see, I'm just thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Like, again, very influential, this show. I'm sure Channel 7 <laughs> tuning all the time now that we've Excellent. had a couple, couple of personalities on the show. It's like, we're going to keep an eye on this show all of a sudden. Um, the weirdest instruction a coach ever gave you? Weirdest instruction? <sighs> no. Sorry. Can't think of it? Can't think of anything. No. I, I mean... A random cricket question that maybe you can help me. Is there a purpose of a coach in cricket when you, the captain seems so influential? Like you obviously captain the country. Like, I mean, do you have to kind of listen to your coach more or like do you get more power over the, the coach? It's funny. You, you speak to a lot of other athletes from other sports and they'll say the coach runs the play, basketball, mm. um, league, union to a certain degree, um, yet cricket Coach is there, but yet as soon as you cross the line, it's up to one person really, yeah. um, and the coach never has a chance. So there's been always discussions, should the coach have more of a role on the field? But the purists say, hell no, that person can just stay back. Um, <laughs> so what was the question again? Uh, what I mean, do you just, I don't know, the question is like what's the point of a coach in cricket, I guess? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, there, is a, there is a good point. There is a point. There's, I think at the elite level it tends to be more player management, emotions, dealing with egos, non-selection, um, working with a team. Um, in junior stuff, this is where I think the best coaches should be paid an absolute mozza to go back and coach your your young stars because if you get everything right there, it's easy at the top. We're not yeah. fixing techniques at the top. Like, you know, they've been home for the last 15, 20 years. So we've got no chance of, of changing a lot of things there. All the bad habits are reinforced regularly. So, um, no, there is still an important role in a coach. It's such a fascinating sport that, like, you know, as an AFL fan, who's the first person to go when the, the club sucks? It's the coach. Okay. Cricket, yeah. generally the captain. So You'd never, um, you'd never be um, – yeah, I don't reckon you'd be a head coach in this day and age because you literally – and you never – you can't be a head coach of a of a professional team for more than, you know, three or four years. Then you've got to yeah. move, state, country, you name it. Yeah, Pass. yeah. Well, at least cricket, like what was, what's the famous saying? The two most prestigious jobs in Australia are the Prime Minister and the Captain of, a, of Australian cricket team. So, you know. That's what us cricketers say, yep. Yeah, well, you've ticked it off. You're halfway there. You'll be Prime Minister in a few years, right? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I think based on the last 10 years, everyone gets a turn, right? So eventually yeah. it will come around. Um, sure. Your favourite workout is? Uh, I don't mind actually going and um, lifting a bit of weights. Nice. I only came in a little bit later 
in my playing career. I was never a runner, hated it, hated running. I mean, I still run now and I curse myself every time I have to do it. But <laughs> it's the after feeling I like. So I put myself through pain for that. But, yeah, I could do a weight session and, and, and enjoy it. Nice. Uh, if you could have lunch with any one person, who would it be? Oh, I think I used to say the Queen a lot when this was asked when I was a player. I'm a big royal fan, I, to be honest. I do like the royal. So, I mean, she's she's been around the traps for a while. She's yeah. seen a lot of things. Love to That's actually just, just love to have a chat to her about things, yeah. She would be a fascinating person if you could just get her to be honest. I'm not saying oh, that she yeah. would be, but it's like it's she's lived such a – structured life where like mm. be this way this is how you need to be that if you could just yeah. sit in a room and she just sits down and say, oh fuck it what a day like yeah. and just get it open up like that would be incredible yeah i i mean the people that she's met the places that she's yeah. gone to the wars that she's had to endure um yeah, yeah just a fascinating life that you know we're you're right we have no idea about her as a person we know her yeah. as the monarch and the, the face that she puts on. But, boy, I'm sure there's an interesting person behind that. I used to always say that the biggest honour you could get in life is if your face was on money. And, I mean, her face is probably on more money on this planet than any other person. So, yeah. hey, you know, hold that into high regard. <laughs> As a kid, who was your favourite sports team? Uh, I... I remember having a little bombers jacket of the um, West Tigers. Yep. So, um, or Balmain at that time. So, um, I loved league when I was growing up, like collected football cards. That's it, really. I didn't really follow like other sports. So, I'd have to say probably Tigers. Does anybody try and entice you sort of to be a Swans or a Giants supporter if it comes in the AFL side of things? Or do you just... Uh, I'm I'm a typical Sydney sider. I jump on the Swans bandwagon around September if they're good. Yep. If not, yep. uh, whatever. The Giants, who cares, right? Well, <laughs> a few of my mates actually are big Giants fans, but I, I don't really follow AFL and I don't follow league at all anymore. So, right. Um, Cricket. I'm just glad to see the Giants actually have fans. I didn't realise that was a thing. So They do, actually. Yeah, they do. <laughs> As a Tasmanian, I'm not bitter that they got the 18th licence. What am I talking about? Um, your favourite sports movie is? Um, oh, so many. I like... Um, um, Kevin Costner, the baseball one, clear the mechanism. Oh, Field of Dreams? Field of Dreams? Um, no, it was in, well, I don't think it was Field of Dreams. He was a, a pitcher and he had a bad shoulder and he goes through his, his career. And right. there's a nice little love story there. Um, there's that one. And then um, um, Denzel Washington, basketball coach, wasn't it? Basketball? Or- uh, I'm thinking, oh. remember the Titans. That wasn't basketball, that was football. Samuel Jackson was a basketball coach, Coach Carter. Yeah, coach, those ones, I like those type, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, I mean, I always like to kind of relate this to if there's any sports movies based on, you know, the, the athlete we got on. I mean, Million Dollar Arm is kind of a cricket movie. It starts off as a cricket movie, then turns into a baseball movie. So, uh, I mean, there are, other, are there other cricket movies? Like, oh, I'm just trying to think. I mean, you just poach Brett Lee and put him in Bollywood movies. Does that count as a, as a cricket well, movie? Well, um, what, what's his film? Un, Un-India. Well, there was no real cricket in there. <laughs> Wasn't there a Sachin Tendulkar documentary or have they ever done like yeah, an So there's a, there's a number of bio, in India they call them biopics. Yeah, so yeah. there's a Sachin and there's also um, uh, a Dhoni one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I just didn't, I didn't really, I like a bit of the drama, the historical element if there is, if it's based on true life. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think the Americans do it quite well. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? I think Sydney's, you know, has always been my home and I do like it. But if I had a, a chance, I'd go South France or, the, you know, around there, the borders of Italy and, you know, down, I think that would be pretty cool. 
I'm seeing a trend here with like Tuscany in the south of France. Yeah, I know. I'm, I mean, I haven't been to Europe in a very long time and I'm itching. <laughs> We're all just, you know, let us out, itching let us to, out already. Itching um, just to be another state. Yeah. yeah, well, exactly. That would be nice too, wouldn't it? Uh, when you were little, what was something you always thought? Thought or fought? Thought. 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 Um, I was going to be the best at whatever I decided. That was and you achieved it. Look at that. <laughs> I was pretty driven when I was young. Simple dream and it, and it worked out well. Uh, I always like this one because either you've got one or you don't. Uh, your favourite joke to tell is? <laughs> um, I can't even remember how it goes, to be honest. But when I was younger, I always said something. There was a a pub on the – look, there's no point. But it's something about the Queen's legs and um, something like that. So right. I don't know. I, 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 it sounds funny. So yeah, sure hilarious. Right. Yeah, I'm really good at telling jokes. No? <laughs> yes, I know. Tell them more on Chinya, please. Uh, when it comes back <laughs> please, to, to Beijing, I like this one here. So the athlete uh, Philip Wright is his name, Canadian field hockey player. His favorite joke is, "Why does Snoop Dogg carry an umbrella?" Faux drizzle. Um, that yeah, yeah, wah, wah. Uh, Your favorite. That reaction is the exact reaction when people listen to this show. So good job. Uh, your favorite. <laughs> Your favourite sandwich is? Salad sandwich, cheese, avocado, beetroot. Nice. Very Australian with the beetroot there. Kind mm. of gotta add Just that. adds a sweet element to it, I think, which is always yeah. nice. Got a bit yep. of a sweet tooth. If you could have any superpower, Lisa, what would it be? Time travel. Oh, yes. Nice. And now you're more of a go back in time or go into the future? I think I would have. I like period Doc, um, films and miniseries and that. So it'd be nice to go back and check it out myself. But I I, I'm not that fussed about the future. Yeah. You create your own future, right? Like that's all yeah. what it's about. The final one here, the best candy in the world is? The best candy? Hmm. What is my go-to? You know what? It's just sometimes just a simple couple of blocks of chocolate and yep. um, with a cup of tea, to be honest, with a cup of rooibos tea at night. So it's decaffeinated everyone um, from South Africa uh, and a uh, nice way to unwind. I actually, I had a boss where I was working at a newspaper in New Zealand and he was South African and he would bring in that tea and got to say, it's quite nice. It's a, it's it a is good nice. Tea. Highly recommend everyone. Yeah, there you go. Uh, speaking of recommending, Lisa, before we let you go, people want to follow you on, on social media, Instagram, Twitter, anything along those lines. Where can people sort of stay up to date with, with you in general and, and watch what you're going to be doing in the lead up to Beijing because we know you're going to be on our TV screens again. Yeah, um, I don't even know what my Instagram handle is. I think it's L Stalaker. Seriously, <laughs> if you put Stalaker in there, so it's S-T-H-A-L-E-K-A-R, the amount of times people have got that wrong. Um, if you put that in, there's not too many of us out there, so I should pop up. <laughs> yeah, possibly just uh, yeah. kind of going out there. Lisa, it has been an absolute pleasure to, to chat with you today. I think we got about, what, 85% through that without cricket, so not That's too bad. impressive. I'm very yeah. impressed. Right. You know, I was kind of, you know, there had to be a few in there, but uh, best of luck, seriously, with the broadcasting. And, and yeah, bring on Beijing. I, I want to kind of see Xinya or whatever the, the, the Chinese. Whatever the name equivalent. will be, yeah, correct. Yeah, <laughs> kind of can't really translate across into the different languages, but I'm sure there will be somebody out there. Or just just let's, everyone's all about the retro now. So bring back the ice stream. You can be the, the reboot of the ice stream, you know. You can be the Roy and Gazy yeah. and Andy can be the HG. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Yeah, no, thanks very much for having me. And a big thanks to Lisa for her time on the show. A lot of fun. And similar to our Joanna Griggs interview a couple of months back, it's it's just fun to be able to sort of get a broadcaster on and just learn about those experiences because realistically, personally, I've always been obsessed with the Olympics and would I have loved to have been an Olympian? Yes. Realistically, would I have ever become an Olympian? No. Whereas my Olympics would be to be part of a broadcast team during an Olympic Games on an official capacity. So uh, for me personally, it's always a pleasure to be able to speak to people like Lisa and kind of learn their perspectives and kind of insights into it as well. So I definitely appreciate Lisa's time joining us on the show for a bit of a unique interview, one that I'm sure she often doesn't get a chance to do, not talking about cricket. 
sort of. There were still some cricket questions in there. Uh, we will be back, of course, with another great episode for you very, very soon. And keep up to date with who we've got on and what the episodes are going to be. You can look us up on Off the Podium, of course. Uh, look us up on social media, I should say. Off the Podium It's the name of the show, in case you didn't realise that. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook is the main source of all of those. And if you want to subscribe to the show, search for us on all good podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Podcasts, iHeartRadio. We're on them. Search for Off The Podium. Hit subscribe. Leave us a rating. Give us some feedback. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. So by all means, do that and never miss an episode. Big thanks again to Lisa for her time. Big thanks to everybody for tuning in today. My name is Ben. Until we next speak again here on Off The Podium, remember, go left. Turning Japanese, I think I'm turning Japanese. I really think so.